Hosts Elle and Miriam are two black homeschooling moms embarking on a self-defining journey. Listen in on conversations that will encourage you to be your authentic self while uplifting your spirit and motivating your inherent potential. They're defining what culture is for their families and want you to do the same. Bring your children along too so they can meet the cleverly cultured kids. They're all for teaching the babies while they're young, adapting to the challenges of parenting, homeschooling, and being willing to learn the lessons that the children have to offer. It's all about uplifting one another and reclaiming your innate greatness. Hello, hello. Welcome to episode 72. Thanks so much for tuning in and listening to the Cleverly Changing Podcast. We are so excited about today's show. So what is today's show all about? Today's show is about homeschooling and dual enrollment. Have you ever wondered how parents of multiples teach all of their children and work too? Our guest today, Sean Taylor, talks about having three businesses and three children and how she makes it work. She's also teaching her high school level children. And I know many of you have asked, what do I do when my kids reach high school? So listen in. The next point that she will talk about is high school and also going to community college at the same time. That is what we call dual enrollment. When a child is enrolled in both high school and community college. So tune in and find out from Sean Taylor how dual enrollment is working for her daughter. At the beginning of each episode, we like to share something about the continent of Africa that you can research later with your kids. Today's points that we want you to explore with your child is all about the agriculture in Africa. Growing up, the pictures that were plastered on TV showed Africa as a mostly dry desert land. Like there was nothing there but starving children. And we know that that is not the case. We know that the entire continent is not dry. In fact, Africa is rich in minerals such as oil, copper, gold, diamonds, platinum, and agricultural produce such as corn, coffee, wheat, and fruits. So definitely explore that information because almost 65% of all Africans work in the agriculture sector. Today's proverb is, when the door is closed, you must learn to slide across the crack of the seal. And that is a Yoruba proverb. It's now time for the word of the episode. 
Today's word of the episode is brought to you by the Congo. Sangonini. 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 What's new? Sangonini means what's new in Lingala. Welcome to another Cleverly Changing podcast. I am one of your hosts, Elle Cole. I am a mom of twins. They are 13 now, and I homeschooled my girls for seven years. I am so excited about today's conversation. We have a special guest who is a homeschool guru. Like we don't always get to talk to experts and veterans in the field, but today we are. So stay tuned. A matter of fact, let a friend know about this podcast so that they can tune in too. All right. So Sean, please introduce yourself to the Cleverly Changing listeners. Hi, this is uh, Sean Taylor. Sean, the homeschool guru is what I go by. Um, and I don't know if I necessarily would call myself a uh, a veteran of homeschooling, but I guess, I mean, I, I've been doing it since I think 2016 at this point. Um, that 2015, 2016 area gets real fuzzy for me. It was a huge transition in our family um, with me leaving corporate America and us starting our own business. And then shortly after that, us deciding to homeschool our kids. It was just a huge transition for our family. Uh, We have a total of three kids. So we have a 17, no, she just turned 18. So we have an 18 year old, she's graduating this year. We have a 15 year old and we have a 12 year old. He'll be 12 in a couple of weeks. Um, So I'm based in Texas and basically my goal is to help families find their custom fit for homeschooling. That's my whole entire thing. Um, Homeschooling, it's not one size fits all. And unfortunately, when people get into homeschooling, that's one of the things they believe. Well, um, Susie is over there doing it this way, so I need to do it this way too. And that's just not how it works. So that's what I'm about. Awesome. Awesome. I love that you just said that it's no one size fits all. And I think that's very, very important for people to understand that just because someone's using a certain curriculum doesn't mean that that's the right curriculum for your children. So how did you kind of come to find your groove in homeschooling because I feel like you got to find a rhythm that works for you and your family and I think that for those who are starting off you can have everything right on paper you can have all your plans done but to actually do it is a little bit different so can you describe what those first years were like So, okay. So I'm going to do two things there. Okay. So you were saying that the uh, one size fits all thing, the breaking point for me personally was that a couple houses down, um, there was a family, they had a gang of kids. When I say gang, like they had the old school minivan, like the church bus, and there were tons of kids in the van and they were homeschooling. We didn't know too much about them, but we did know they were homeschooling. Um, I knew that they were more traditional because of the way that they dressed. So I knew that there was a difference as far as that's concerned, that that was concerned. Um, And I knew that the kids only played with each other. They weren't really allowed to play with any of the other neighborhood kids. And I imagine it's because our belief systems were different, right? Um, And so what happened was, 
I just assumed thinking that they were amazing. Like these folks down here are doing the darn thing. They are homeschooling 5 million kids successfully. Like <laughs> they've got it figured out, right? So I'm down here two houses down trying to compare myself to something and I don't even know really what's going on. And what ended up happening was a tragic situation. Uh, the kids ended up being removed from the house. Now we're not sure what happened, I, I can't say exactly what happened, but what that said to me personally was, I was so busy trying to keep up with Susie and them, that's what I call everybody. I was so busy trying to keep up with Susie and them, trying to make sure that I was following whatever I thought that they were doing. And obviously something was incorrect because their whole family got displaced based off of that situation. Uh, and so that was a, that was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back. Cause like, why am I trying to copy something? A, I don't know the details, right? I don't know what they're doing. B, something's not right because they've all been removed from the house. Like that red flag, red flag. Um, and so I had to take the time to develop, you know, our own plan. Now, the second part to that is, is that, um, when it comes to homeschooling, you can have everything written down. You can have your list, your, your activities, your all that stuff, and you think it's going to go great. And it'll go great that one day, but then the next day, the, you'll do the exact same thing, and it will not work. And so that was something that I had to learn was going with the flow, basically. So have a roundabout plan of what we're going to do-ish, and then if it doesn't work, it's okay to shift and pivot and do what we need to do. Uh, and so what I would say to any homeschooler, whether you're new, old, if you're stressed, confused, discouraged, whatever the case may be, what I would say to you more than anything is, is grant yourself some grace. And then I would also say, remember that it's not always gonna look the same. Like my days don't look the same, particularly this day right here. Uh, we're on Mondays, we're typically done with school by 11, 12 o'clock. It's 2.15 and we have half of our work to go. So it doesn't always look the way that you, I guess you want it to look. Maybe that's the thing, the way you want it to look. Yes. I know for me and my family, sometimes those evening times were great lesson times too. When dad was home, sometimes we had to reinforce <laughs> some lessons because just because I understand it a certain way and I teach it a certain way doesn't necessarily mean that's how my kids get it. So sometimes I would have to piggyback and say, hey, can you kind of show this lesson um, a different way? Because, you know, you have to kind of give your kids different ways to learn things, different options, because they're not carbon copies of us, no matter what we think in our mind. Right, right. And it's important for us to show that variety. So I like that you just mentioned that at first you were looking over, you know, to the right and to the left, and you saw mm -hmm. what other people were doing. And you just, you know, you had a grandiose view of that. And I think for many of us who homeschool, we, we have seen people homeschool and sometimes it's kind of an awkward mold. I like that you said, you know, you thought they were doing everything great and you had a positive outlook, but sometimes we're looking over to our left and our right and we're like, they seem weird. Right, right, right. <laughs> and so, but I feel like now that the pandemic has happened, 
there are so many different faces of homeschooling that is no longer seen as weird. It's like, oh, you homeschool? Okay, cool. That's working for you guys. How are you making it work? And I think mm -hmm. that's where we are now, where people have more of a flexible thought and it's not just, you know, people with a lot of kids. And I think even that social aspect. So now if there was a family that only associated with themselves, we would see that more strange than normal because homeschool families, they are some of the most active and engaged with other families in the community. Listen and so I think that it's important for us to kind of open our minds and see it from a variety of different frameworks because homeschool has so many different varieties. And can you kind of talk about your homeschooling style? Because when we talk about different varieties, there are different styles to homeschooling. So can you um, talk about just what works for you all? Are you speaking in methods, like the different method? Yes. So okay. um, some methods that come to mind offhand, we have eclectic, we mm -hmm. have Waldorf, we have right. classical, and there's even more. So like those are just some of the top ones. Montessori is another. There are different methods, um, but people can choose which method works for them and their families the best. Right. So what method works for you all? Right. And that's the beauty of homeschool in general is that we can choose what works for our family. Um, for us, we are actually eclectic. Uh, but if I had to lean more to anything, we are closer to the traditional school and closer to, closer to the uh, classical method is what I would say. But with that said, I want to give you some information. We do use classics. However, we don't use the classics that folks said were classics because they looked like each, they look like each other. Let me just put it that way. Let me make it nice, okay? Yes. Uh, and so we um, we do use classics, but they are classics because they mean something to us. They mean something to, um, I don't want to say the world in general, but they affect, you know what I'm saying? Like they affect uh, the world, really. So we're not going to, um, people ask all the time, and it's strange to me, even people in my family that look just like me. Well, what about uh, Shakespeare? Y'all are not going to learn Shakespeare? why i mean <laughs> well i mean he listen the boy was cold don't get me wrong like he wrote some he wrote some lyrics back in the day right and he wrote some lyrics but wh why why was that your first go-to there are so many different um people that we can go to and find and research and like he's only classic because they said he was classic nobody was doing what he was doing at the time but in 2022 why are we not recognizing other people who have the same type of situation. <laughs> right. I want to just unpack that just a little bit because I know you're talking about some books that come to mind or some works of art that come to mind. Can you give us maybe some of those authors, some of those book titles so that we can know exactly what your kids are learning as far as what you consider a classic to be? So I can't give you classics right now because my bookshelf is full. If you're a homeschooler, you have books all over the place. So I can't tell you hundred percent right now, but what I can do is get that information to you later on. And maybe you can list it in the show notes. Um, but what I would say, um, one of the things like, uh, 
Nelson Mandela was a huge for us because he affected the world, right? I mean, he yes. affected everyone. Um, Mahatma Gandhi, right? He affected the world. World. Mother Teresa, she affected the world. So those three right there, just off the top of my head, just giving you those, those are some things that we would take and we would research, right? And we would say, hey, how does this particular person affect us now in 2020 and how we should be living, how we should be treating ourselves and how we should be treating others. Um, and so what I would say is find those people that mean something to you that affect you. Those people affected me as a kid. Um, and so I brought those to them. Now there are of course some more, but because I'm on the spot, I can't remember. It always happens, <laughs> but I can't remember uh, what I'm trying to say at this point. <laughs> so that's totally understandable, but I just, I love that you picked three people that we definitely all know, and we've all heard what they've done. Uh, Mother Teresa, I remember, you know, I'm a young mom, but I remember when she was alive, you know, she's someone of today, someone that I can think back and remember seeing her on the news. And so I feel like it is very important for us not to just talk about people who have lived and died, but who have also lived during the time that we've been alive, because history is not just stories of long ago, it's also stories of today. And it sounds like you're incorporating that and incorporating current events, because all of this, it works together. There are parallel situations that are happening, and we have to help our children piece those pieces together and understand what is happening and why history is important. And I think that's what makes homeschooling so amazing. It tells you your why and it helps you figure out life today. You know, it's, it's amazing. What is one lesson that you taught in homeschooling that you feel like it had an impact on your kids, but also on you and the way that you think? Okay, so we don't use history curriculum at all, period, in our house. Um, it's just, if you follow me at all, then you know how I feel about history curriculums. I don't want the false narrative. I want you to tell me the story. I want to know who won. I want to know who lost. I want to, won. I want to know why they lost, why they won. I want to know how they felt. I want to hear it all. Don't give me pieces of it, okay? Um, and so what we choose to do is just pick topics and research. Um, one of the things that we are currently studying right now is the American Revolutionary War, um, which I, I do remember small facts about it, um, but sitting here with my kids and during, doing our own research and reading and getting the details of it, it's very interesting. Like there's a lot of information that was left out about the Revolutionary War. Um, on top of that, we just finished the book Stamped um, and that book was eye-opening for opening for all of us. All four of us were like, wait, what? What? <laughs> um, and then uh, previous to that, we did a study. We used Black Indians, which was amazing. Black Indians was amazing. Now, it was a little too much for my 11-year-old. He was like, mom, there's it's too much going on. So what was happening during that, We were, I was reading it or they were reading it, and then we'd pause and I'd break down whatever it is that we've read um, so that they could understand what was going on. Uh, but that in itself was interesting because for years we've heard um, you guys must have some Indian, right? Y'all got this hair, y'all got this, your, your features are different. You know, you must have some Indian. And we never thought anything about it, but Black Indians teaches you how Black Indians came about, like how all of that happened, how they're, 
it was insane to me. I even being, um, I was about to say being 40, that's not how old I am, being 41 years old <laughs> um, and reading that book and doing the research was incredible to me. Finding out the reason why uh, Oklahoma is shaped the way that it's shaped was insane to me. And I've lived in Texas for 20 plus years now, um, was born here, and but I moved to Seattle, but came back, but never knew why Oklahoma, that little sliver up there at the top, why it is the way that it is. I never knew it until we started researching it. Can you give us a little cheat sheet? Because I know everybody's listening. So they're like, well, why is Oklahoma? Why? Why, girl, why? Tell us. Okay, so listen, basically what it boils down to is slavery, right? So there was a, a line that was driven drawn across the United States, okay? If you were above this line, no slavery. If you were below this line, okay, slavery was okay. So what Texas did was give Oklahoma that little sliver so that they could go ahead and do what they needed to do to continue slavery and Oklahoma could not do slavery. That's it. It was all about slavery. Texas wanted to continue to do what they wanted to do with slavery. That's all it was about. And I never knew that. Like when people say there is a systemic racism, I'm like, how do you our it's whole so entire world reigned in American society in in so many things and I feel like this conversation that we're having right now, it it makes me want to ask you about Juneteenth because now we see, we hear the popularity of Juneteenth and people are like, well, why didn't I learn that in school? And that goes back to Texas and wanting to prolong slavery. So mm -hmm. how has your family kind of tell me, before you tell me how you've taught your kids about it and how you've kind of embraced teaching your kids about, you know, slavery. Did you grow up, you grew up in Texas? Did you grow up in Texas? I didn't. Or? No, I didn't. So I was raised in Texas. Um, well, see, I said I wasn't, then I said I was raised. That's incorrect. Okay. I was born in Texas. Uh, and then when I was in the second grade, my mom got remarried and he moved us up to a small town outside of Seattle, Washington. So we were up there all the way up until high school. I graduated from there. The moment I graduated, I came back home to Texas. Um, and I have been here ever since. Ever since. So um, me growing up in Seattle, the outside of Seattle, I didn't know anything about Juneteenth at all. Not at all. Um, when I came down here and married my husband, my husband was like, oh yeah, he's you know born and raised here. He's like, that's something we do. We have a party. We do this. We do that. We do this. Like, why? Like, what? How did y'all not know you were free? Like, of course, judgmental me, not fully understanding. Um, uh, that That's kind of how it started here for us. And then as the kids got older, and kids uh, can be very interesting, and my kids were like, we're not celebrating that. That's not a national holiday. How do they not know they were free? The same silly stuff that I was saying. And I was like, well, I mean, when you hold the control of everything, then you can hide stuff like that. Like it, it can be done easily. Um, and so now we do more of history as to what happens. We went down to Galveston. We, we did all of that. We talked about what happened, why it happened, um, what could change, why we celebrated. And now it's a huge holiday, of course, and everybody's here for it. Um, but yeah, it, there's, I missed that lesson to say the least. I missed that lesson. I think a lot of us did. <laughs> Yes, and I think we talk about Juneteenth 
like it was the last place on earth, but because we know about the Jim Crow laws and we know about America's history, there were people who were still enslaved for a long time after that. And it it's it's not this universal thing that we can really wrap our arms around because that's not America's history. Yeah. And I think that giving kids those lessons about Juneteenth, it helps them kind of realize that it wasn't that long ago. Because sometimes people like to paint it like, oh, the, you know, like it was years and years and years yeah. ago, like it was 100 years ago, not 400 yeah. years of slavery. Right, right, <laughs> right. It wasn't, it really wasn't that long ago. It wasn't. No. Um, and we're still, and I don't want to say reaping the benefits. I'm trying to think of the correct word to say, but we're still, you know, a part of that. Like we're still dealing with the aftermath. Today. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. We still are today in 2022. Absolutely. So that was just a little, we went, we went a little historic, a little geography lesson right. all <laughs> in one. But I think that's the beauty of homeschooling. You can make that travel, your travels a lesson. You talked about going down to Galveston and being able to show kids that. And I think that um, living history, being able to actually drive there, I think those really deepen the impression. And that's kind of one of the beautiful things of homeschooling, because you don't just have to open a book and teach your kids about it. You can visit the places, you can create food from a place, you can come up with videos. There are yeah. so many ways to incorporate those lessons. Mm -hmm. So for your kids, I'm sure you mentioned that you have uh, a variety of different age groups mm -hmm. and that you have found a way to incorporate some of those heavy lessons even while you're teaching your younger child. And I know for me as a homeschooler, I was also um, eclectic. So I'm not heavy on the curriculum because if I just wanted to do the curriculum, my kids can just go to school. Exactly. I'm with so, you. I'm 100% so it's like that. now you can really create their education and tailor it to them. So how are you um, tailoring their um, lessons to their interests. What are your kids interested in, to, in and how are you incorporating those lessons in your day-to-day -day lives? Listen, and I like how you miss, you mentioned Taylor, right? Um, my last name is Taylor, but also I have a, a homeschool conference that I do and it's called Taylor Made Homeschooling. Like it, that's the name of it. And the whole goal is to find your custom fit, right? That's my whole thing. But I'm glad you mentioned that because I wouldn't even say anything about that. <laughs> um, so for us, I will go with, so I'm gonna start talking about how we make one lesson fit all different age groups, right? So I have a high schooler, um, and then like a freshman-ish, right? So he, some of this stuff is about eighth grade level and some of it is freshman. And then I have an 11-year-old and his would be middle school work. Um, and so for instance, with that book, Black Indians, we would read it and they would have different level of assignments. So um, depending upon, we would read together as a family, we would each read two pages, whatever the case may be, whatever we're going to read. Uh, and then we would go through and explain each section that we're reading. So did you understand what happened? Okay, you didn't. Uh, basically, I would break it down like it's a TV show, you know, uh, child, they said this. And then when they did that, do you know they said this? What y'all think about that? I know, right? Like basically break it down to their level um, and start using their lingo. They're capping, you hear them? They're capping, like trying to make it fit them, right? 
Um, and so we break it down in that level. And then when it comes to making sure that they understood what they learned, like making sure they get it, uh, we use different methods. So for my high schooler, I would say uh, my one who's graduating, I want you to write me a paper. Um, almost like a midterm type paper. And hers will be stricter, especially because she's in dual enrollment close classes. So I want a midterm paper. You know, it's supposed to be this format. You know, you're supposed to do this, that, this, right? Um, my 15 year old, it would be more, I want an essay. So I want it to be two pages long, or I want it to be five paragraphs long uh, and double spaced or whatever, right? And then for my 11 year old, it would be like, I want you to write three paragraphs, okay? Write your introduction, then write your meat, and then do your conclusion, the end of the sandwich, right? Uh, and so basically you're breaking it and making it easier for them. Now, um, and it's not always that as far as projects too, like with the Revolutionary War, we have done our studies. So now they're getting ready to present to their dad who is a history buff. And so the goal is, listen, I don't care how you present it. You can do poster boards. You can do a, a slideshow, a PowerPoint. You can do a podcast. Okay, you can use my mic, record it, and send it to your dad, whatever you want to do, but I want you to do it, you know, all the way through, and I want you to tell me what you learned, I want you to do, so basically you break it down into bite-sized pieces, and then let them explain it in however they need to explain it to, uh, you know, portray it to you. Awesome. I think that is incredible. I love papers. So I am an author too. And it's like, it's just something about the written word. And when you give kids those papers, it really helps them. And I think about children who may want to go into law. Those are skills that are transferable. And especially right. now where you have so you have such a strong, uh, there's a lot of weight put on STEM. But even people in STEM need to be able to communicate what they're doing. So the written word is important to know, regardless of whatever career they decide to do. As an right. entrepreneur, you need to be able to write well, to communicate effectively, to mm -hmm. read the contracts that you're yes. dealing with. Yes. And so it just sounds like um, you're teaching them practical skills, um, but it's also a part of their academics, which is very important. So it's right. definitely uh, just great to hear how other families are making it work and how they're doing it. Because I know there are listeners who have multiple children who are in different grades in different types of learning, and they're trying to find ways to work ways to make it work and back in the day when they had the one the one room schoolhouse the school they house. made it work then and mm -hmm. that's how families are making it work today so i think that's just incredible can you kind of let us know how you are dealing with challenges because even though you are a homeschool guru and you've been doing it you've been homeschooling for a while it's inevitable that challenges right. will arise what right. can you name a challenge and tell us how you've been able to work through it so i can name tons right i mean just being honest because the fact of the matter is i am the homeschool guru but i'm a mom just like you and i'm a mom just like our listeners and um, I want my kids to succeed just like you. And sometimes I get concerned that I am not doing enough, um, not doing exactly what needs to be done, especially when like my daughter has known since she was two 
what she wanted to do. And so now that she is graduating and um, doing the dual enrollment courses on campus and now trying to figure out if she wants to um, go to a four year or a two year a community college, you know, th those things get, you know, I get anxious and nervy, nervous about it. And so I will talk about her in particular. Uh, like I said, she has known for years that she wanted to go to an art school that has never changed. I mean, never until her senior year of high school, okay? And so I basically, we sat down every year for her high school career and we mapped out her school year to get her into a particular art school to prepare her for that art school. This summer, she comes to me and says, you know, mom, I've been thinking about it and I think it's wiser to go to a normal university. And the reason why is because I can get a degree in anything but still have my degree in, you know, whatever art program that I need to have it in. But I'll get, you know, I'll have more experience and I'll get the information that I need for other things. More, so basically she didn't want to be niched down. So here I am, senior year starting in about two, three weeks and I'm panicking. <laughs> and I go to my homeschool group that's on Facebook because I try to be really transparent and give them some insight. And I'm like, listen, my daughter has changed the game on me and I am scared. I don't know what to do. Like I'm panicking. I, we haven't done, we haven't taken an SAT, PSAT, ACT. We haven't done any of that because the goal has been the art college the whole time and none of that was required. Um, and so when that happened, I, I kind of did my whole meltdown thing like we do as moms, right? Drop down into the woe is me. And then something just kind of was like, well, you know what? It is what it is at this point. We're gonna pick up from where we are and we're gonna go. So we started looking at dual enrollment courses and started uh, working on the SAT and the ACT and all that stuff to get her prepared for that. And so it may look different for her this next year. She may not go directly to a four-year college. She may go to a community college in the meantime, but the problem was solved basically, right? But I was having a full-fledged meltdown like, Oh Lord, my baby's not gonna graduate. Like <laughs> I done messed up everything. <laughs> I love that you just brought that challenge up because I think it's so important to realize that even though our kids show their talents while they're young, they may grow up to do something different, but our kids are versatile and they're not just stagnant. So even though we see them excel in something, that may not be what they do for the rest of mm -hmm. their lives. And that is okay. And we, just like we've been flexible in our homeschool, we also have to be flexible with them when they start making their own decisions. So all this time, you've been teaching her how to think, how to make good solid decisions <laughs> and so you have to trust her this right. is where you put that faith in action where you're able to see okay well i got her this far and this is what she's showing me so it's going to be okay because that's what you prepared her for it wasn't necessarily for art school it was right. to be able to think and reason on her own and that's what got her here it sounds like she's making very mature solid decisions mm -hmm. i married a art student <laughs> i am the wife of an artist well, but sure. he doesn't only have an art degree he also has his MBA, he also owns his own business, and he he has a, another job that is able to support the family so that I could have that flexibility to do my own business and things mm -hmm. like that. So 
I can see someone who has extraordinary creativity and art abilities, and I've been able to see how he's used his talents in so many different areas. And mm -hmm. he's able to do what he loves, but also he, he likes working and he does that too. So I feel like, you know, when you have innate talents, you can do so many different things. Right. And right. so the fact that you gave her that encouragement and showed her how to pivot in real life, like, you know, sometimes we, we want to do everything for our kids, but that doesn't help them. When they're able to make those decisions and you show them how to work through that adversity, that's what strengthens them. Mm -hmm. And so what did she do and what did she say when, you know, you brought up dual enrollment? Was she scared? Was she excited? How did that go? So she was scared um, because, first of all, my daughter has um, some social anxiety situations where she gets really anxious. And so it was like, OK, so let's talk about that. Um, yes, there are classes you can take on campus, but there are also classes that you can take at home. Um, and so how about we do a mix? Maybe we do only two courses and we do everything else still that we're doing at home and you do one that's on campus and one that's on at home. Uh, so that's how we kind of, we just kind of walked through it basically. Like if we do two classes on campus, do you think it's going to be too much? What are you feeling? What, when you hear that, what happens? What, you know, well, I'm anxious because I don't know if I can do it and, you know, if I'm going to make it or if it's going to be too hard and da, 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 da. So it's like, okay, well, let's explore those, you know, those concerns. If it's too hard, okay, you have a period where we can find someone to help tutor you. You have different options. We can do things to help you in that situation. We're not, I'm not just going to throw you in dual enrollment and say, all right, go be blessed, you know? <laughs> um, so we, we've got things that we can put in place to make it better. And I said, and if it's too much of an issue um, where you are not doing what you, you know, are able to do, like it's just not working, then we can drop the class. But understand that dropping the class is the absolute last resort. Uh, so I don't want you to panic. Like we have those conversations and every day she comes home, I have her set up on a plan where it's on Mondays, she has her own planner and she writes her study schedule down for the week, her assignments down for the week and all that stuff. And it's like, okay, this week is like this week. She also works a, a part-time job. So this week she's working four days of the, for the next seven days, four days out of the week. And then she goes on campus twice. And then she has her other class that she has to do. So the conversation today was, okay, what can we knock out? What are some things that don't necessarily have to be done because you know this week is going to be crazy for you? Um, and so I think sitting down and again, the, the critical thinking, right? We were instilling that in them every single day, but it's almost shocking when they do step into that role. It's like, what? wait, I, did nobody tell you? Wait, like, what you... You know, <laughs> we're shocked when they step into that role. But then when we step back, we're like, oh, she's got it. They've got it. Like, they're good. They're going to figure it out. And even if I think the biggest thing that we need to tell our kids as homeschoolers is even if we fail, it's not the end of the world. Right. Like it's not like you fail. It's OK. We're going to pick up where you fail, <laughs> learn our lesson. And then we're going to go, go the other direction, do what we got to do. If that means redoing it, if that means turning and going a completely different way, it's okay. It's not the end of the world. Failing is a part of learning. And we don't even have to call it failing. It's just a stepping stone mm -hmm. where we're learning from it. And I think it's only failure 
if that's the end of the story. Ooh, good stuff. So wow. I, I just, I love that you are teaching your child how to work through that because I think about growing up, going to school and trying to figure it all out on my yes. own. <laughs> yes, and, and listen. And that is I, difficult. <laughs> right, and I tell my kids all the time, so I tell them this story, uh, my 15 year old now, is starting to think about the dual enrollment. He's seeing his sister and he's starting to think about it. And we're having a conversation. He's like, mom, I just don't know if that's for me. Like, I don't know if I want to go to college. And so I just flat out asked him like, why? Why don't you want to go? I think at this point, every kid should at least try it. And if it doesn't work, then fine. Um, but why, why don't you, why don't you want to do that? And his concern was that basically, I mean, he doesn't think he's smart enough. And it's like, like, babe, like what? Like, here's the thing. We all struggle. Mom sucks at math. I said, you've seen me try to help you with math and be like, hold on, let me call you Amy because your Amy's going to answer the question for you. I said, we all have those things that are hard. It's finding the resources to get what you need when you need it. So if that means a tutor, if that means getting somebody to break it down, if it means walking up to the teacher and saying, excuse me, I don't get it, whatever it means, that's what you need to be doing. I mean, we have to teach our kids that. I'm, I'm teaching my 11-year-old that right now. Like, it's okay to ask for help. Like, it's okay to say, I don't get it. Because guess and what I'm going to do? do. <laughs> yes. And guess what I'm going to do when you say, I don't get it. I'm going to pull out all my stops and try to make sure you get it. And just like you mentioned earlier about your husband and explaining things, that is the prime example. I use my, my youngest son. Um, I spent so much time teaching him how to try, tie his shoes. For some reason, he could not tie his shoes. And I'm like... Like, what am I doing wrong? And like, I don't understand. He went with my mom for about an hour. My mom taught him how to tie his shoes. And I'm like, I've been working on this for weeks. Like, like, how did you? She's like, I don't know. I just explained it to him and it made sense. So sometimes it's just a shift of who's teaching it. Um, and then again, I use another example for me in math. When I was in high school, I took algebra. And the first algebra teacher I had, he loved numbers. He loved numbers, okay? So it just was great for him. He was excited and he was teaching it. It was good. And I'm sitting here going, but why? Like, why are we doing all this stuff? Um, and I think I ended up almost failing that class and took it a second time. But this time I got a teacher, a math teacher who liked the why, who was big on the why you do things. And because she was big on the why, it made sense to me and, and passed that course with flying colors, just because she was able to teach it the way I needed to understand. You can't just tell me to do something. Why am I doing it? What, what is the purpose? What am I trying to do? That's life in general. Like that's, that's education. That's all that in a nutshell. Yes. Some people need the why. And as homeschoolers, regardless of what our learning styles are, sometimes we have to explain it in a way that is not necessary for us. That's not a prerequisite of teaching. Do everything that was done for you. No, you have right. to be creative and flexible. Right. I, I, you know, those who are listening, I feel like we talk about dual enrollment in the homeschool community. Like it's something everybody knows yeah. <laughs> and something everybody embraces. But I must say, 
we have to explain this because there may be someone listening who does not know what dual mm -hmm. enrollment is. So That's forgive awesome. me if you have been listening and this is a new term for you, but please explain to everybody what dual enrollment is. Right. So in the basic, just the easiest way to say it is it's dual, right? So they are enrolled in my home school, but they are also enrolled in a college campus course. So it could be online. It could be at a university. It could be at a community college. Uh, so you are taking a course and you get credit for both um, for that course. So as of now, she is taking one of the things she loves is psychology. So she's taking a psychology course. So she gets a science credit in our high school, and then she'll get her credit in her college for that as well. Uh, she's also taking creative writing. And so she will get her ELA, her credits here in high school, but she'll also get a credit to go towards her degree when she goes to college. So basically what it means, you're enrolled in two locations, two different schools, basically. So you are in Texas, I am in Maryland, and I want people who are listening to know that all across the country, there are different programs. You just have to research your area to see what is available. In Maryland, it depends on which county you are in to see whether or not those dual enrollment courses will be covered for you. So in Maryland, they can be, depending on the county, they can be paid in full. So your kid can take those classes just like they were taking a different high school class, but it does depend on where you live. In Texas, does it, is there an extra fee? Do you have to pay like you're a community college student or how does that work there? So I think it's based on actual college, the actual college. I don't think there's a Texas is, I mean, Texas, we do what we want. I mean, uh, you can go to one area of town and it's one rule and go to another area and it's different. Um, and so what I will say for the Dallas Community College, so because we're in North Texas, um, for that particular area, as long as the course um, can, so as long as the course can be added to high school. So it, it's not something she's not like, she can't take creative writing in high school and then try to take creative writing in college and get two different credits. It has to be the same type situation. I get, I think I'm saying that in a way where it makes sense in a way that it makes sense. But um, so if for her, she had a English credit that was left that needed to be done. And so we picked creative writing, they paid for it in full. Um, and so, it, and I do believe that it's completely based off of the actual college, but the basis of it is as long as it's a course that she needs for high school, then she can also take it at dual, dual enrollment and get credit for both. But it can't be like, oh, I took creative writing last year and now I'm going to take, you can't do that. That's not going to work. Oh, that's incredible. And I think that homeschoolers that are able to do dual enrollment who are you know willing to put in the work it can save you money if you choose to go to college because you have those extra credits coming in so it's definitely something that we encourage right. i know my co-host and i we're like look if you can do dual enrollment do it take advantage of those free dollars if that is available to you why not right you know Something if I, when i was young i would have taken advantage of it for sure Right. I'm sorry. I thought you paused at my fault. Um, something else, um, if, if say, for instance, that dual enrollment is not an option for you, but you do want to take advantage of the money that is out there to gain college credit, look for CLEP tests, C-L-E-P. 
So C is in cat, L-E-P is in Paul. Uh, and what you can do is you can go to modernstates.org. And basically there's a course that you have to take through them, YouTube videos and a few questions to check and make sure you're understanding whatever it is that you're taking. Uh, and then they give you a test at the end to make sure that you understand it. If you pass that test, they give you a, cer a certificate to go take the CLEP test. If you pass the CLEP test, then you earn that college credit for whatever course you just took and you don't have to pay a dime for it. So that's another way to do it as well. And what we did, because she did take a CLEP test, well, she started taking a CLEP course and then chose not to take the test. Um, but what we did was we used that to, um, our goal was to use that to have her also earn an associate's degree as she was doing her homeschool classes. So what I will say to you is do the research, ask the questions. Um, I always say to my clients, always say to my people, uh, take what you need and throw out the rest. So eat the meat and throw the bones away um, because there, it may work, it may not work. I mean, there's just different things, but there's so much, there's free money out there. And, and I know homeschooling is iffy, right? Uh, like Texas, we don't get anything. We Texas, they don't step in, we don't get anything. But there are different foundations and different things that you can do, like the CLEP program, modernstates.org, and get that stuff for free. Dual enrollment and get that stuff for free. There are options out there. Oh, this has just been so great. I know that we're coming down to the wire. I would love for you to share. You are an author too, and you have several books that will truly help homeschoolers. You're giving us information. Can you tell us about your books? Because I know somebody is listening and they're like, hey, I want to learn more. You've been a wealth of knowledge and they're interested in transitioning to homeschool or other things. Can you talk about your books? Sure. So I have three. Um, the first one is how to transition to homeschooling. Um, and you can get that on my website. My website is seanthehomeschoolguru.com. And basically it walks you through the five things that you need to know to transition into homeschooling. It tells you a little bit of my story and how we started homeschooling and how I was um, judging everybody who was homeschooling. And then I became a homeschooler. Uh, so it tells you that whole story. And then we have uh, two other books that I'm a co-author on, and that is American Families, Why We Homeschool. And so there's several different homeschoolers on there um, where we talk about why we chose to homeschool our children. And then we have another book, which is African-American Homeschooling Mompreneurs. And those are all um, beautiful brown women, right, um, that have chosen to homeschool, but are also choosing to be entrepreneurs and how we manage to get it all done and how we manage to not get it done some days. Um, but it's all it's all in there. So all three of those are on my website, which is seanthehomeschoolguru.com. Excellent, excellent. Everybody, we will put all of that information in the show notes. So yes, you can take notes, but definitely head to the show notes if you want to just click over and get those books. Before we go, I have one last question for you. You kind of touched on it with entrepreneurship. And I know there are a lot of parents, including me, who have uh, worked while homeschooling. Can you give anybody just some quick tips on how to do both? 
Um, for me, the biggest thing, so just to give you a little bit more information, um, my husband and I own a total of three businesses together. So we have a catering business. It's typically extremely busy around the holiday season. So that would be Christmas, Thanksgiving, and um, 4th of July. It's huge. Uh, for us. And then I have this business here where I'm a homeschool coach. And then we also have a transportation business. And what I would say to you more than anything else is the first thing is, is that you are going to have to set up boundaries. You are going to have to respect your own boundaries that you set up. And then you're going to have to have everyone else respect your boundaries. Um, if you don't respect your boundaries, then no one else is going to respect it. Right. So that means I've had people actually show up at my door. Hey, my kid is sick. Uh, family members, my kid is sick. Can you watch them? I got to go to work. I love you with all my heart, but no, that's, that's, you can't, no, that's not going to work. <laughs> um, and so um, you have to, you know, say that even with my kids, it's like, okay, this is homeschool time, but now this is time for me to work on this particular business. Um, no, you can't come in here and play video games. No, don't knock on my office door again. You know that I'm working. Um, and so it's important that you set those boundaries and let people know uh, what you need to do. Another thing too, that I do is I do block scheduling. Uh, and so I do, I try to do no more than two hours, but two hours on each thing. Now it may happen several times a day, but like for the transportation business, that's usually the first thing, two hours, uh, the kids are asleep and I'm working on that. Then the kids get up and while homeschooling is working on that, I'm working on my homeschool guru stuff. So I'm doing emails, answering messages, uh, comments, all that good stuff. Then we're homeschooling. And as they're doing their independent work, I'm still working on homeschool stuff. And then uh, the catering business, of course, that's only a few times a year, so it's okay. But I would say, again, set the boundaries and then also use block scheduling. Use something. Make a list. Or if you're not going to do block scheduling, make a list of the things that you want to get accomplished for the day. I want this has to be done today. And then just, you know, work, you know, check them off, get them done. Uh, this has been a true treat because boundaries is huge. People hear that word and don't always know how to implement it. So listen, get her book <laughs> because here's the thing, you have to have self-discipline. And I really think that homeschooling is about a guide to self-discipline for all parties, for the kids and for the adults. And I think that what you mentioned Homeschoolers often have to make money because homeschooling isn't free for, for many families. They choose not to let it be free. There are definitely some free resources, but often we want to add the bells and whistles. We don't want our kids not to have them. And so that does mean sometimes supplementing the income of the home so that your kids can have the bells and whistles. Mm -hmm. So listen, you have gotten a little taste of what uh, Sean offers, but definitely check out the books, contact her. Where can they contact you again? Um, so I'm on all social media, Sean, the homeschool guru. Um, and I mean everywhere. So Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and TikTok. Um, TikTok right now is insane. I don't know what happened or what I literally signed up maybe about a month ago and my followers have grown to almost 3000. Um, and so what I would say to you is definitely follow me on social media because I'm random and I will go live. Um, I will answer questions. I'll just say, Hey, like I, right now on TikTok, I go live every two 
Tuesday and Thursday um, evening and sit in my car during my son's soccer practice and answer homeschool questions. And so what I would say to you is it access that. I mean, get on there and say, hey, Sean, I have this question. Here's the thing. I've probably already answered it. I don't care. I will answer it 50 million more times. Okay. The second thing is there's no dumb question. Okay. Cause there's somebody out there that's got the same question that you have. Um, so come in there freely and ask questions. Cause I want you to succeed. I, I mean, hundred percent. That's what it's about. Yeah. I mean, it's a business, right? But I do want you to succeed. I want you to be okay. Otherwise I wouldn't give so much free information. Oh, this was terrific. And I love that you answer questions. So listen, everybody, definitely utilize that resource and follow Sean, the homeschool guru on all platforms. So thank you so much for just spending time with us and chatting with us. It has been terrific. I know I enjoy the conversation so much because it's like, oh, these are my people. <laughs> <laughs> and so it has been a true pleasure. And um, I just thank you for your time. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. All right. Bye now, everybody. Did you know that we sell merchandise to keep our podcast going? Order a hoodie, t-shirt, mugs, and more today. Visit cleverlychanging.com and click on the shop tab to place your order.